0: Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. All right, good morning, Keith. Good morning. We are... uh... Talking about cultural Christianity. And for you guys who've been listening in, we're grateful for you. We've been visiting uh, the idea of being good evangelists, good proclaimers with the good news to our city. And in order to do that, we need to recognize our audience. And so we live in a place where uh, we recognize that nominal Christianity is a challenge for us. And so, in order to speak well, we need to know who we're speaking to. Uh, I was a product of this culture we have told our story some of our common story on past podcasts and so I recognized that I was a Christian in name only and so if we're going to be good evangelists we need to know our audience Mm and speak to them appropriately so we want to understand some barriers um, to our city hearing and understanding the good news of the salvation and rule the reign of Jesus Christ and so nominal Christianity is something we have to attack and recognize components of it so we can speak to it effectively.
1: Yeah. So um, I guess today we haven't mentioned it yet, but we're going to be, um, we're going to be talking through and from Matthew 23. <laughs> right. Maybe drawing some contrast between 23 and uh, Matthew 5, yeah. Sermon on the Mount. Right. Blessed versus woe. Yes. Um, and um, one of the things that strikes me in this, in this uh, passage is that one of the barriers to uh, nominal, or one of the barriers to evangelism, isn't right. difficult and tough and strong language. That's right. So we, we see in this entire chapter, Jesus is dealing with, he's talking to the crowds and his disciples. He's just come off of a conversation with the Pharisees. It's likely that they're within hearing distance. I mean, he's he's going to be talking directly to these guys. Right. He's saying some really tough things about them. And this this isn't the Jesus that you're going to read about in uh, this year's Time magazine uh, at Christmas. Yeah. Who is the real Jesus? That's right. That's Uh, right. The real Jesus wasn't a guy who was just smiley, happy, whatever you want to do with your life kind of guy. Right. Live your live your best life now kind of thing. Right. Jesus had a very specific idea of what it meant to live out the Christian faith and to live out, you know, a life that's committed to the Father. And so he had really, really difficult things to say to the Pharisees. He did. And I think it's important to note because both of us come
0: from this perspective that if we're going to address things like this, we need to see what God's word has to say. Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to come from the scriptures. Um, Jesus, and I think it's important to note this, we're trying to imitate Jesus in that. Jesus in Matthew twenty-three and Matthew five, the Sermon on the Mount, the blessings and these woes in Matthew twenty-three. Jesus never leaves the text. Mm-hmm. You go back to Deuteronomy when he preaches about the blessings and the curses for for obedience, blessing; curses, mm-hmm. disobedience. Jesus is just preaching text, and he's making application to cultural Judaism that had gotten in cahoots with Rome and had adapted their external practice of the faith to methods that could just keep peace. right and jesus is standing there going i wanted to gather you like a hen gathers chicks but you were not willing mm. and so jesus is speaking to the people about how they have taken the truth and just molded it enough to be now untrue yeah so so there's a component here of dealing with cultural manifestations of our faith that it's deceptive and the thing about deception is, deception is like camouflage. It looks real, but it's not. <laughs> it's it, Camouflage is intended to make an animal think you're not there. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, it's on the ground dead. Yeah. Right? Deception is intentionally camouflage. Right. It looks good enough, looks right, but it's a degree or two off. And Jesus is preaching to them saying, I was a Pharisee. This is what you need to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here saying, come to me. Mm-hmm. You're missing me because you have done something to the truth, and you're missing.
1: And the deception isn't accidental, right? the, the person who's thrown on that yes. camouflage <laughs> has right. done it intentionally, right? Yes. This is not a fluke of nature that, That's that right. the hunter just so happens to look like the forest. Yes. You no. Know, this this deception, all this confusion that produces nominal Christianity. Right. All the messaging that comes at us that we have to try to sift through. And identify um, what's true and what's not true. It's coming at us as a um, as a strategy of an enemy yeah. that we know as the, the devil. That's right. So we're we're constantly in this battle. The enemy sending us messaging. Yeah. And the messages are um, are really really believable. Yeah. Like the ones that are utterly ridiculous, we sort of cast aside. Right. But there are things that that we're being told. There are things mm-hmm. that our society's, sending our way there are things that churches are sending our way um mm-hmm. that are just flat out false that's right they're they're not true and um and again i just wanted to point out that that's um that's a strategy of a, of a real foe that we have that's right when jesus is talking about woes woes to you right. and blessings to you he's essentially saying look if you'll believe and trust in me the things that i'm saying there are blessings but if you're going to believe in a false narrative yeah there are real consequences yeah. to, to the belief and to lining your life up with a, a narrative that's not true. That's right. That's huge.
0: And, and, and there, there are teams. There are sides here. here There's are. a right and a wrong. Yeah. And, and so if we're going to overcome these barriers in our culture, where we are, because when you come here, um, you talk to most people, you're going to find very few who will say they're not a Christian. There are some. Mm-hmm. They're there. And praise God, it's refreshing have a real conversation, we know where we are, mm-hmm. but to that person who says yes, I am, but they are not exhibiting what it means to be yes, I am, mm-hmm. but they are because they signed a card or they raised their hand mm-hmm. or there are a hundred strategies that they maybe have participated in, but the words don't match the need. Mm-hmm. We have legitimate barriers. so what are some things that we're going to do to help speak this good news of the kingdom to them? what do we have to? Engage in as Christians who care about our fellow citizens. We want them to know the truth. We want them to come with us
1: into the kingdom of God. What are we going to have to do to get there? Yeah. People listening to this will probably chuckle when they hear the the thing that we've listed first because you and I chuckled when we wrote it down. (laughs) Right. Um, Because we talked about this and it's like, man, is that always the answer to everything? I think it Um, is. (laughs) It it really is. I mean, um, when you live in a fallen world, it is. The first thing that that probably we'd like to discuss is this the importance of scripture. Yeah. The importance of understanding scripture rightly. And the rightly part is 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 the part that's important because many of the people that are listening to us likely have either have some exposure to the church, maybe or even in the church and mm-hmm. and whether or not they would consider themselves, you know, solid Christians or not, or maybe they're exploring. The truth is that there's a lot of understanding out there about the scriptures. Right. But to really know what the scriptures say um, is difficult. When we look at um, Matthew twenty three, and we're dealing with a group of people who were experts, so to speak, right. in the scripture. We're, we're we're looking at Pharisees who had committed themselves. These aren't people who were born into it. Right. They were they had committed themselves to following this this God of the Jewish people. Right, and they had sort of forsaken a lot to take to head down that path. You have got scribes who were experts in the law. Right, you've got Sadducees who were sort of a, sort of a nobility that had kind of come up. These guys are all working together and like they, missed, they, they missed it. Right. Not all of them. All right. of them didn't miss it. That's right. every, every Pharisee and every, not, not all those guys were wrong. But as a people group, they were, they were missing it. Jesus is rebuking these guys. Right. How does that happen? Well, it happens because you take your eye off yeah. the, the stable thing. I think about climbing. If, if a person's ever climbed or if a person's ever repelled, you know, at somewhere if you're rappelling, you're going to find yourself at the top of a cliff, and you're going to find some structure right. that's solid. Right. It's a boulder. It's a tree. It's something like that. And then attached to that rock-solid thing is going to be other things that aren't quite as trustable. There's right. going to be other ropes. There's going to be carabiners. There's going to be tie-offs. All that stuff. The minute you get from the rock, right. Or the tree, the minute you lose that, you leave that, you're at risk. That's right. What we're saying is the scriptures are the rock yeah you can't you can't trust a person, you can't trust a commentary, you can't trust uh, a book that you bought. that's a self-help book. you've got to be an expert in what is the difference between the rock mm-hmm. and all this supporting material mm-hmm, that's good if you If your rope isn't connected to a solid structure,
0: you can say carabiner, you can say harness, you can say. <laughs> Petzl mm-hmm. or Pigeon Mountain Industries. Yeah. And just because you use those words yeah. and have them connected to you does not mean they're going to save you from that 100-foot fall. Mm-hmm. If it isn't anchored to a source that's immovable, you're going to die. Yeah. Right? And so, and so coming at the text of Scripture, we have to go back to the text. But I think what's challenging for a lot of people who may hear this is they say, well, I have a Bible. I've, I've read some of my Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so what's, what's the problem with that? Um, and I think multiple levels Mm -hmm. one is uh, having read the entire scripture cover to cover multiple times Uh, just not scientific I'll generally ask somebody how many times you read through the bible well I haven't read through it all ever Mm -hmm. Read parts of it Uh, and and then okay you haven't read through it all Um, what parts have you read well it's mostly you know the gospel okay that's, that's good Some's better Better than than none, none. right? This is good. Um, But there's a problem there. Because it all matters, and it's all interconnected. And the understanding of one part of it is key to understanding the other part of it. It's the basic concept of reading, Mm -hmm. right? I tell my boys all the time, uh, only one of them likes to read. So uh, 33% of my (laughs) children love to read the other Uh, 66% is not so jacked up about reading, but I'm constantly... 33%
1: 33 higher than my... (laughs) you (laughs) are at zero.
0: You're at zero. I got you. Well, if, if reading, the understanding of how grammar works is important in reading. It's not just the volume. You read it all. It's understanding the relationship of a word to a sentence, a sentence to a paragraph, a paragraph to the entire book. Because if I isolate a sentence from the context of the rest of the book, I might say true words and radically misapply. Mm-hmm. So this I'm, is a deep issue. Yeah, and I would
1: argue that the Bible is written with that expectation. I agree. I would argue that the the divine author of Scripture yep. has written it in such a way that it makes sense.
0: It only makes sense. Yeah. To people who know the whole story. Yes. That meta narrative, right? That's the, our going all the way back to another episode.
1: Yes. If if we don't if you don't understand the whole the the Bible needs to be understood holistically that's right um if you're hoping to take bits and pieces and understand it at a level that actually is life saving yes it's it's um it's an exercising futility yes that's exactly it's, it's the right. it's the same as hanging from the cliff that's you know eight hundred feet high right. and someone's saying what is this rope tied to and you say i'm it's tied to a rock. Have you, do, Are you sure it's tied to a rock? Well, I didn't examine it. Right. Right. I, did, I didn't really take a look at it. Right. Um, most of these guys out here are always tie off to a rock. So I'm just assuming that I'm tied off to a rock. <laughs> right. right. Going at the scriptures one verse at a time here and there, relying on some sage to make sure that you're getting it correctly. Right. Or the messaging that you're hearing is trying to sift through right. all that is, It's a. It's not... It's just a bad, bad idea. idea. It is a bad idea, absolutely. I think it's important to note here, and, and this doesn't play
0: well sometimes inside our circles because it comes off. And I've actually heard from people who will say, "Well, that just feels like a legalistic thing you're saying." Yeah. And and, and what I what I take them, and what I'm saying is, you need to read your whole Bible multiple times through, mm-hmm. over and over again, do the hard work of connecting. Oh, I heard that phrase somewhere else before. Where did I read that at? It seems like. He's saying this from somewhere else. And when, when that starts to happen, you start to realize he is. He said that back over here. And, and, and people say, well, you're making it hard. And I'm going, well, some things are hard, mm-hmm. right? Just because it's a challenge doesn't mean it's undoable. You're putting together a piece of furniture that you bought at a store somewhere. You don't throw the instructions away. Yeah. Now, some men might do well, yeah. that. I'm not that yeah. sharp. I have to follow the yeah. instructions. But if I don't follow the instructions, I'm going to have a jacked up piece of furniture, right? Mm -hmm. And it may be difficult for non-handy people like myself. But if I follow the instructions, and it may be a challenge, I'm going to have a nice product at the end. Well, it may be a challenge, but if I'm not following the instructions, I might miss what God has in store for me. So it's work, a little bit of work. It's a challenge to get to the intent of the text.
1: Yeah. And there, Jesus is going to talk, in he's going to begin the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, with blessings. Yeah. These are the blessings that are come to people who are a certain way, right? Yeah. He's going to preach to the Pharisees and, and scribes and these guys in chapter 23, woes, which is the opposite of blessing. Right. It's, it's um, you know, this, this idea of calamity. Right. Calamity's coming to those of you who ignore this. Right. So, is it worth the effort? Yes. Yeah. It is worth the effort. Yeah. It's worth the effort in the sense that, you know, we're going to be with Jesus forever, but right, right. now, like the kingdom has come, mm-hmm. right now in this life, yeah. there are blessings for those of us who organize our lives consistent with the way that the world actually works, Yes. and not with a way that seems right to us. That's right.
0: Um, well, the scriptures tell us how the world works. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and when we line ourselves up with that, then we fall into that place of receiving the good order of yeah, God, the yeah. blessings of God. So understanding the scriptures is absolutely essential. These is a couple examples of examples. We could pull volumes. We could do a whole series on misused Bible messages, mm-hmm. right? Um One I, I, I mentioned briefly uh, was Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, or two or three are gathered in my name. There I am. I've heard it once, heard it a million times. Um, well, there's only two or three of us here today, but because we are the Lord's here, and uh every time I hear that i want I want to put my head through a wall <laughs> like forcefully I want to yeah. run through a brick wall out of frustration and anger because that's an example of isolating a sentence away from a paragraph and a paragraph away from the whole book. Jesus isn't. This isn't witchcraft. We don't conjure Jesus' presence by numbers. Yeah. That's not what he's saying. He's quoting from the passage. He's coming from Deuteronomy, I think, chapter 15, where he's speaking about prosecuting a case of wrong on the evidence through it. And when dealing with sin, Matthew 18, 15 to 20, Jesus says, You treat it like that. You need to do it in community. It needs to be done in fellowship because I'm a Trinitarian God. You're a Trinitarian people. We live life in community. Therefore you're not isolated from one another. Sin's atmospheric. It's communal. So when it's there, you do it like this. And he said, When you do it the way I've instructed you to do it, I will be there, making sure it goes according to my plan. Mm. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah. That gives me hope. Yeah, it's very right? But if I turn it into a conjuring tool, now I'm on a different team, man. I'm 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 in a whole different place there. Yeah. And that See, that's how it's all. I quoted Bible, man. I yeah. used the Bible, Keith. Yeah. Come on, could man. That's true. Sense. It's truth, Because right? okay. it came out of the Bible. It's like, well
1: Yeah, it's 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 very fundamental. Everybody understands that to under to get to get the story, you gotta get the whole story. That's right. You know, we we get it. We we see it happening in the news. Right. Everybody's got an agenda. Right. Everybody's got um you know, language language happens usually on purpose. Right. And the truth is the writers of of the of these books in this bible were doing it on purpose mm-hmm. and they're leveraging the history right and the context to communicate a message right and the message is is um the message is it's not legit right if, if you take it away from all that like that's just no one hearing this is going to be surprised at that right yet we're not surprised when we just sort of pull up um try to pull a principle out of a sentence when that's that's just not what's going on right and so we have to do some work of asking what does this mean
0: what does it mean in the setting was it mean in the context of the whole scripture and what's the author's intent right and we have to do some work so getting scriptural understanding is going to be key i think just as a side note here this is a a great way to do evangelism in our city is do bible study with people Mm -hmm. Um, every time somebody comes into one of our small groups comes into a worship service Teach the Bible. Teach it accurately. Model how to study it and our teaching of it. Dive into the meaning of the text and ask those hard questions and get to the point. And it can begin to uncover the deceitful nature of maybe integrated beliefs that are off. Yeah. And it helps somebody
1: to see, oh, my God. Mm. And when that starts to happen, that's powerful. Yeah. And there's something supernatural about this book. Yeah. See, we're, we're not just dealing with natural things. Yeah, We've right. already said we have a supernatural enemy, but we also have a supernatural God who is moving on our behalf. That's right. The Holy Spirit, when we open the Word and we read the Word, the yep. living Word, yep. something supernatural happens. That's right. So, um, you know, when we're wrestling with a proper understanding of, of this text, the Bible, right. what comes with it is a power that otherwise we don't have access. That's right. So just the reading of the text of Scripture, yeah, unleashes a power that is otherwise not available to us mm. without the Scripture. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is gonna, you know, we're we're sort of we're grabbing a super weapon. You yeah, that's know, right. when we open up the Scriptures and we begin to read from the Scriptures themselves and we mm. understand them properly, when it comes to trying to do evangelism mm. and to get people's eyes to open and ears to open to to things that are true. That's and right. to see the world in a way that that's right. That's right. Well, even
0: even in the Revelation, right? John, read this aloud. The Lord wanted that read. Read this. Mm. Blessed are those who read mm. this word, right? And so there's something powerful about reading the Word of God, walking
1: through what He means. He can do supernatural work. Yeah. There's you know you look back at at church services in the past, and you look right. at some churches even today that are very liturgical. Right. They have scripture reading. Yeah. And you there's a reason they do that. That's right. I mean we may be bored with it and it's like, oh gosh, when we read really up, down, everybody's talking one person's speaking, another you know, person's right. kinda of got a thing. They're supposed to say after that thing. Right. That can that can look burdensome. Right. But there's what all they're doing is they're believing that they are when the scriptures read in right. the community right there's power in it. That's
0: right. That's right. And and uh it's hard to criticize that. That is, it, that's, right. it, with, that's gonna take us into in a moment, we'll get to lack of church impact mm. because I, I think that speaks to mm-hmm. we would we would look at some of those traditions and critique them mm-hmm. when in fact they may actually be doing more than us or entertaining people. Yeah, and we're just bored by the truth. Yeah, and that may say more about us
1: than it does about them. Yeah, right. it's, it's true about hymns. You know, the things that we sing, mm-hmm. and you sing it, and then you get older. As a kid, you sing it, you say it over and over again, and they just thoroughly. You know, disappointed with. it. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. This is not what I want to be doing this morning in, in the service because right. this is music is bad. Right. Then you read the scriptures and realize that half of it comes out of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. You've been as a child, you've been singing the right. Bible. Right. 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 As, and because these people back then, right, had the wisdom to value scripture, right, placed into you know song or, or that's whatever. Good.
0: That's good. Well, what is uh, what's another barrier that we can uh, that we
1: need to come at? Uh, in regard to speaking to our city, well, yeah. So there's a couple of things that we that we had talked about that kind of go hand in hand. One is having the having the boldness as Christians, whether whether some whether you're a pastor and you're speaking in front of your congregation, whether you're a Christian having a conversation with a group of folks in your home or maybe at work or whatever. But being being willing to say things that are difficult, yeah, um, and. There's a lot of nuance to that. This this isn't saying you're you're bashing people, right? That that is not the point, right? But the, the the other extreme would be to sort of handle things in such a way that it's always and this is a word that could get get us in trouble, but it, always seeker friendly. Yeah, right. Like it, it's we, we've got to be very careful with the message of the good news of Christ, and we've got to give it in such a way that it would never be offensive. That's not a biblical view of right. evangelism. That's right. Now, of course, you can you can take that to an extreme and become offensive. Right, right. Which is also not a biblical view of evangelism. But the, the point we're trying to make is there are truths about humanity. Right. If you've got a biblical view of, of humans, right. That is it's just it's it would make us feel bad. Right. And it's very contrary to the sort of the, the emotion of the times, right? which is that humans are really ultimately good. The message of the gospel and a lot of things that have to be said mm. won't make us feel good. Yeah. Jesus has given us a great example of that in the 23rd uh, chapter of Matthew, where he even says to, the, he says to these guys that they're like serpents. They're, they're a brood of vipers. Right. They're, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? That's hard. Now, is that, should we, should we sort of, from the outskirts of the, of the community there, m- make our way to the front and, so, and say, Jesus, this is bad strategy. <laughs> yeah What are you doing? <laughs> you're running people off. You're, you're wrecking this whole thing. Right. Right? right. That's ridiculous. You'd never say that to Jesus. But it really is what people say now. People say, you can't say it like that. Right. That's right. I don't know what kind of look he had on his face when he was saying this. I think it's possible that he could have had a look on his face of compassion and concern. Um, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. But I I do believe you can say really difficult things to people. And they know because they know you. Yeah, This guy's concerned Mm. about it. Absolutely.
0: I think think it's important to note right here, we're talking about the barrier of probably not making the right application of scriptures to hard things. Mm. And the solution is to... Bring the scriptures to bear on hard things, yeah. and 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 I think what's what's interesting to note here is the end of that passage. Jesus, I I think it's frustrated love, mm. you know, uh and, yeah. and 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 I think there's an anger, anger. I don't want to psychologize Jesus, but anger is a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. We know that, right? So I think there's a, a frustrated, angry love, and and love spurned creates anger because mm. there are exclamation points here. Yeah, Jesus is not being soft-toned, he's yelling this, Mm. but he says, I wanted to gather you together like a hen gathers her chicks, and you weren't willing, so this Jesus, who is the eternal God of the universe, is preaching from the text he gave Moses in Deuteronomy, and he has been here with these people, he's lived the life, he has healed, he has brought the kingdom near, and they have spurned him, and there is a frustrated love that is spilling out here, and he is making hard applications. he calls them serpents, he's recalling Genesis 3. Mm. You're on that team. Mm. You're the seed of the serpent. I am the descendant of the woman. And and you're either with me or you're on that team. And and my hunch is they knew exactly what he meant. Mm. They were experts in the law. Mm. They knew who the serpents were. So you're telling me we're seed of the serpent? And you're the seed of the woman? Because that's been the conflict all Mm. along. Yeah. And he was, he was saying
1: hard things, how they have used his word and abused it yeah. where they were. It's mind-blowing to, to remind ourselves that Jesus was there yeah. in the wilderness when those people refused to, to accept and follow his good plan for them. That's right. He, he was there when they rejected the manna. He was there when they rejected Moses. He was there when they built a, right. a golden calf. He, right he he's experienced this that's right with human beings that's right forever that's and he's, right. he's sitting here having this conversation with a group of people and it's just happening all over again that's right um, and instead of instead of us hearing from god from the mountain through moses right the, the the words are coming straight out of god's mouth that's right and he's saying look yeah some things never change that's <laughs> right and I think solution to this is
0: all of us as as priests of God. We believe in the priesthood of the believers. Mm-hmm. So there's not a, a, a tier of more important, less important. We're all priests of the Lord, have the Holy Spirit, is what I call the willingness to speak prophetically. And what I mean by that is speak like Isaiah, Amos, Jeremiah, Daniel, spoke the word of the Lord to their setting, their time and place. They saw the abuse, they saw the problem, and they applied God's word to it and they said it with the and if we're going to overcome a nominal Christianity, we've got to be able to notice, hey, that's a poor use of Philippians 4.13. Mm-hmm. You've taken mm-hmm. God's word and you have completely abused it and turned it into a marketing ploy. Right. And I'm quite certain Amos would speak to that. Mm-hmm. Repent. Yeah. <laughs> to be
1: willing to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because what's at stake is maybe heaven or Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a... Um one of the things that's happening in these verses is Jesus is drawing this distinction between someone whose heart is in the right place yeah and they' they're doing things their yeah. behavior they' they're doing certain yeah. um, maybe certain requirements because because they're doing it from a good heart versus they're doing it from that they want to steam that they've got yeah. the wrong motivation so one of the things that we see all throughout the scripture is that following following God following Jesus is a heart issue Right. Um, it's not a behavior issue. We're not talking about, you, you mentioned it Sunday, we're not talking about behavioral modification. Right. We're talking about being in a place where you genuinely and earnestly see the world a certain way. Yeah. And you've placed all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And because of that basket, you, you're so convinced it's the only basket for hope, it produces certain behaviors in you. Yeah. Jesus is watching people and he's watching behaviors. And the people are seeing behaviors, but the behaviors are coming out of wrong mode. Yeah. Okay. It's not so much the behaviors that are a problem. It's not that they're praying long prayers. It's not that they're right dressed in all these things. It's like if they were doing that out of a, a sincere effort to know the Lord and follow Him. Right. And maybe create boundaries in their lives so that they don't sin against Him. Right. Fine. Right. That's fine. Right. But the issue the issue that we see here is that these folks are doing it out of a heart. For something other than complete dependence and reliance on the Lord yeah and um, and when, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're telling them look this is for your good yeah. I'm, I'm loving you yeah when I'm having these hard conversations with you um, that's the essence of it when, because you can't say hard things to someone if your heart is just want them to shape up or ship out right no you're saying hard things to someone because your heart is legitimately as Jesus shows at the end of this passage, you're legitimately grieved, yeah. Not only for the situation that they're in right now, but for their for their eternal destiny. That's right. You know that um, what's best for someone, right, is for them to sort of line up their life with the Lord. Absolutely, and it requires things, and, yep. and uh, there there is a real path that they can be on. That's that's damaging and absolutely to Well, I, I think uh, here's illustratively,
0: um, if you look at life, all competition comes down between two teams right that you can't friday night there aren't going to be three teams on the field there'll be two teams on the field and i just am crazy enough to believe that god so wired the universe to give us a picture that if we have eyes to see and ears to hear we could see it all the way back in genesis 3 the lord told us there are two teams there are two teams right and he's worked this out in all of created order he worked it out and hugged Uh, husband wife relationship there's two come together and when the lord talks about these things on that day you will say to me lord lord and i say i don't know who you are matthew 25 sheep and goats so what come what it comes down to is you're on the team or you're not on the team and if we care if we truly care and we see they're not on the team and we say nothing we might not be on the team right (laughs) <laughs> that's evaluated do you for me. Really believe
1: that? Yeah, yeah, do
0: I really believe this? Because if there are really two teams here, there's no three teams. There's no in between team where the Lord at the end goes, "Oh, that's the pool to pick from." Any, many, money mo. That's not how it's going to happen. I'm a sheep or I'm a goat. I'm a weed or I'm wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on the team or off the team. I'm a seed of the woman or I'm a seed of the serpent. Yeah. And Keith, Dad, come. If that's true, then prophetic speaking. Is it mean? It's
1: life-saving. Yeah. There's this, there's this great passage in the book, um, Why Revival Terry's Leonard Ravenhill. Mm. It's a story about a man named Charlie Peace. Mm. You can look it up. I, won't, mm. I can't give you the whole story, but he's, he's being sentenced to death. He's on his way to the gallows, and some priest is reading him his last rite. He gets almost there, and he's had. he finally just had enough. Mm. He's like, Listen. <laughs> You're reading this stuff to me about, you know, hell and all these awful things that are about to happen to me if I don't, if I don't repent. Mm. And you're reading it in such a way that I don't think you even believe it. Mm. Wow. And, and the thing is, if I believed what you were reading to me, I would crawl on my hands and knees across glass if necessary, all the way across England to tell one person about, to, to, to help them avoid yeah. that destiny. But, you know, Charlie P's is like, but I ain't buying it. Yeah. Because I don't think you buy it. Wow. But the truth is, right, the claims that the Bible makes yeah. and the things that we say we believe about these two kinds of people in the world, its it's got a significance that you can't even really express in words. That's right. And we're so distracted with everything that's going on in our lives right. that it's hard for us to even focus on the real thing that's at stake. In the life of every
0: person who's got a beating heart. Absolutely. So we have to care and we have to speak prophetically. Yeah. We want our city to know the Lord. It's not appropriate to let wrong go as right mm-hmm. and pretend like it's okay. Yeah. So it, it's important. So we're going to run out of time very quickly. So let's talk about uh, lack of church impact. Yeah. I love that language that uh, that you
1: bring to the table. Lack of church impact. What do you mean by that? Well, I. We've got right here, and um, we've been talking about Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, all the blessings. Right after Jesus finishes talking about blessings, he says to to the church, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Mm -hmm. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. And then right here he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Hmm. The point is, and, th- and then he says, the people will see you, and then they'll see the Father. Like they'll see your actions, and, and that will point them toward the reality of, of this God of the universe. Right. The Bible uses language like this all the time. That the church is going to be this this um people group that because they've got uh, intelligence, they've got the, right. they've got information that the rest of the world doesn't have. They've got a, they see the world in a way. That enables them mm-hmm. to be light in a very dark place. Right. For me, one of the greatest barriers, maybe always in the church, I don't know, but at least in my lifetime, right. to evangelism is the fact that lost people can't find this light on a hill. Yeah. Even if they can find it in a person here and there. Right. Like, I, mean, I did know a Christian one that really, I think that person loved me like nobody else would. Right. But as a people, right. you guys aren't very impressive. And if you listen to, um, I, I think William Lane Craig was, was debating some. I don't remember who it was. Someone was debating one of the one of the three most prominent um, atheists of of the twentieth century. And he said, honestly, at the end of the day, the problem I've got with Christianity is Christianity. Hmm. And so that makes me agree. No. And I throw myself in. I'm not. I'm not pointing the finger at right at, a whole, at everybody else I'm pointing the finger right back at myself as well right maybe the greatest barrier to evangelism is the common person's view of the right. church right and all the all the controversy that comes out of it and their ability to sort of sift through what what is it that god has done in the world yeah and what do those people really like i'd love to find that place yes that's right. That's right. I, I'm,
0: I'm grieved by the fact that uh, when there's a problem, our cities don't come to us for the solution. We have to find some ways to make ourselves relevant. Mm-hmm. Basically, culturally, we're marginalized. Mm-hmm. We're seen as uh, a threat to tax income. Uh, rather than a benefit to the city, you actually take resources. Um, The church has been marginalized. And it's not because the church isn't important. It's because of how we have not executed the call and the mandate that Jesus put on us. And the truth of the matter is, there is isn't church impact. And because we are the church, people outside see us and go, literally someone told me one time in an evangelistic conversation in our city um, that they have seen nothing from the local church that makes them believe that the message they preach is real. Mm. That that has never, ever gone far from my mind. Yeah. And I can't respond to that mm-hmm. other than to say, please don't judge the kingdom of God by my or any other individual's application of God's truth. Yeah. And trust that God can work miracles in spite of what they see. Mm-hmm. But a lack of impact in our world is damning mm-hmm.
1: to our witness. Yeah. And the early church was different. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. There, there are some people who are never going to buy into right. this message. Right. Everyone is not going to be in heaven one day. That's right. There is going to be a time. There's going to be a judgment. And there's going to be a separation of the the sheep from the goats. There's going to be that group that just will utterly reject it regardless. Yeah. That's right. But that that doesn't give us any kind of, a, of an excuse to go, well, we really do have a responsibility to live a certain way, right, and when we when we see it inside of the church, and we see folks not not being consistent with what they say they believe, myself included, right there's a means by which the church can sort of deal with that with church discipline and that kind of thing, right. The fact that we haven't embraced things like church discipline has left our churches sort of indiscriminate. we It's hard to discriminate between right. you know who's with us and who's against us. Yeah, that's right. There's a question I like to ask uh,
0: and I like to ask pastors this question uh, particularly uh, often in those circles we ask how's your church doing and I'd never ask that question I always ask how's your city mm. how's your city and that question either produces a blank stare or a, what do you mean mm. uh, or or just sort of move on yeah. and and to me when we When we can answer the question how our church is, we can tell what our attendance is, we can talk about our ministries, and we can talk about our membership and our budgets, but we can't answer the question how's our city? We know we have a problem Mm. because the key question is how's my city, right? I mean, where's the impact of the kingdom? If the kingdom of God is real, there's healing to be had. Go look at the foster care population. Go look at the homeless population. How's your city? Go look at the juvenile court. How's your city? And then what are we doing to bring the salt and light of the kingdom there? there? Because Jesus came to save. He came to seek and to save the lost. Mm-hmm. And the lost are there. Yeah. And there,
1: the light of the gospel gets into a person's heart, and it causes them to behave That's right. So, um, the, you know, the city changes because the good news of Christ and the Holy Spirit enters the hearts of the people who are there. That's right. And it transforms the way they do life. That's right. And it transforms the way that, that people... You know, lives together, right? And um, so it's it's um yeah it's it's a it's a social work, and the social work is you go and you provide the meet the needs of the people, yeah, and then give them a view of the world that allows them now that's right to, to flourish and experience the blessings that we see in Matthew yeah. five, right? And avoid the that's um right. the the woes that they're going to see in Matthew. Well, to close close out the
0: illustration that I love that you gave us all the way back in our leadership podcast when we talked about leadership and leading people to the right place um they don't know there's one ladder mm. that that not only not only will rescue their soul but fix what's broken there's a ladder they're just climbing the wrong ladders they're climbing to fix this problem and i'll deal with this later or they think oh if i just deal with this internal part of me it'll fix this thing over here mm-hmm. and there's one ladder that will do both yeah and it's jesus christ that- That's right. But we have to tell them, we have to, they don't know the ladder. They don't know the ladder. Half of them don't know the ladder's there. Yeah. And if they know the ladder's there, they think it will only do part of the problem or fix part of the problem, so they go to a different ladder. Yeah. And if we're not there to tell them and even show them, this is the ladder. Yeah. This is the way. And this will bring everything. We're not there to tell them. <laughs>
1: that's right. And so you, you enter this area and people are on all these ladders. There's only one ladder that's got water and food at the top. Yeah, and there are all these people, are thirsty, and they're hungry, and they're looking down at you, going, "I am climbing with all my might, yeah. and it I cannot find rest, you know, for my hungry soul or whatever." Right. And as you're tossing them water and you're tossing them <laughs> bread, you're going, "Hey, come down!" Yeah. Because the ladder is over here, that's but until right. you get there, here's a piece of bread, you know.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, there's so much more. Um, Attacking successfully nominal Christianity uh, is is a weighty goal. Mm. It's a weighty end, and and we've scratched the surface, but that's okay. We're going to continue to do it on some subsequent podcasts when we talk about components of our nominal Christianity. And uh, so we'll get a little more in the weeds as the weeks go on. Hey, Keith, thanks for the time. Enjoyed it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions if you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.